What's up, guys? This is the Zach Hergert Idea Attic Podcast, broadcasting from the top floor of WIFM and available everywhere podcasts are heard. Got a great show for you. We're going to talk about how to make money off of the Facebook, more specifically, the Facebook groups. Probably seen groups, advertisement on TV. We'll get into that shortly. But I just wanted to thank you guys for stopping by and uh, please share the podcast with everyone you know. It would make this Nebraska farm boy very happy if you did that. Look, I'm having a great time doing this. Loving it. It's blowing up. I'm waving goodbye to my old life as this podcast slips the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. And it feels so good. So good. Really appreciate it. So I've kind of uh, haven't released an episode for a while. Really sad. The last week was a total disaster. Um, I'm starting to think that COVID-19's number one symptom is irritation because it's screwing up everything. It's screwing up financing for real estate, and that really pisses me off. I can't get an appraiser to go to one of my flips, um, so it's not closing on time. I had to go through, I don't know, it was out... I did go through tons and tons of appraisers until somebody picked it up, and they don't even have to go in the house. None of them want to go in the house because they think they're going to get sick. The damn house is vacant, and it's been vacant for two years. I haven't even been in the house for three weeks, and no one wants to go because they think they're going to get sick walking in the house. Whatever. Jesus, get over it. I'll take pictures and just send you the damn pictures and just do the appraisal. I want to get paid. So get ridiculous. One good thing that did come out of the COVID-19, though, is uh, I did a little black market meat deal uh, last Friday. Do not do not Google black market meat deal. Um, last Friday, I sold, I sold 40 steaks and 20 pounds of chicken breast to four, for 400 bucks to one of my buddies. And I was like, God, I'm like uh, making like a pretty good... Pretty good little profit here. Nope, I don't, I'm not like trying to rip my friend off, but I had to go through a bunch of bullshit. Meet people, find freezer space, because you can't buy a deep freeze anymore. Um, had to negotiate freezer space, go through all this. Made like pretty good money. And then I was talking to him and he's like, well, he's like, this is like a good, really good deal. And I was like, well, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I've been like searching all like high and low, been going to like individual like slaughterhouses, like individual like butcher shops trying to find steaks. And he's like, the second best deal I could find was uh, 20 steaks for $435. Are you kidding me? That's insane. So it was a win-win deal. Everyone won. He got his meat. I got paid. It was fantastic. I'm actually having him on my show. Um, he's a legendary he-bitch, and uh, he's got some great hoeing techniques for your single guys out there. This kid, uh, let me tell you, <laughs> in his day... He really got him. He got him. Anyway, let's get rocking with the episode. Enough of that. So the theme of today's episode is taming chaos. And I think that chaos is really just opportunity cloaked in fear. And right now you're seeing a lot of chaos um, with everything going on with the COVID-19. You saw a lot of chaos with the 2008, 2009, all the um, banking crisis. And the even before that with the dot-com bubble and everything like that. That was chaotic. People were freaked out. And I think that chaos gives birth to huge changes. And the, the more chaos, the more turmoil, the more uncertainty, 
that's usually comes with even more changes. And I feel like if you can just tame chaos or at least like tame your emotions of like being scared and uncertain and write out the chaos and position yourself in the best possible way that, that chaos can actually be beneficial to you. And for somebody like me, like I have to live in chaos all the time. And what I mean by that is like, I have to have like a lot of things going on to the point where it's like so chaotic. Otherwise I just get bored because I have a short attention span. So for me, it's like I sell real estate, I flip houses, I have a contracting business. Now I'm like doing this podcast. I like get up in the morning. I always have missed calls, missed texts, missed like my phone's full. So right there, it's like chaotic getting up in the morning because I have to make sure there's nothing like crazy going on. Then I go about my day, which is chaotic, obviously. And then I get home at night, put the uh, help my wife with our baby, get all that and our dog. So that's chaos. And then I start like writing out an episode and then hopefully doing an episode. I know I haven't known in a while, but we're getting it figured out. And, um, and that's just how I have to live. And that's just like all the way it's always been. So I'm very comfortable in chaotic situations, but I know not everyone is, but if you can be comfortable in it, I think that you can have like a lot of success if you position yourself correctly. So I think that just, I like to look at historical figures, even when I'm talking about like business techniques or like business ideas and stuff like that. I like to look, look back in time because history can often be our greatest guide. And just thinking about like chaos and a really good, probably, probably one of the best documented times of like total chaos and really one of my favorites is the, is the French Revolution. And the person that was able to tame the chaos of the French Revolution was Napoleon Bonaparte. And if you don't know who Napoleon Bonaparte was, after the French Revolution, um, so we're talking like late 1700s, early 1800s, he basically like conquered all of Europe and, and uh, attempted to conquer Egypt and conquer, tried to conquer Russia. But he's like a legendary like military commander and basically, he was a, an immigrant from another country. Well, France actually invaded the island nation that he was from, which was Corsica. And so he actually wasn't even French. France invaded Corsica and made them French citizens. And then his family moved from Corsica uh, to France. He couldn't even speak uh, French when he arrived in France. He had to learn the language. But he went from being a low-ranking military officer and went from that to being not only king of France, but the Pope crowned him emperor of the French empire. And he was able to do that because everything in France was so chaotic. You know, they, they, during the French, French revolution, I'm not going to go into like a history, uh, a history lesson with you or anything like that, but basically the people of France were starving to death. The king and queen were living in luxury. The people rose up and executed the king and queen, took control of the government, but then the people that took control of the government were actually as bad or worse off, worse than the king and queen. And in order to stay in control, they just started like executing people en masse. And what they were doing was they were executing people via the guillotine. That's where the guillotine came from, was a French inventor during that time. And he said, this is like the most humane way to execute someone is by chopping their head off with a giant um, piece of metal. Um, 
And that giant piece of metal, they called the National Razor, and it went on and on. It was just executing people uh, around the clock every day um, until, and, until really Napoleon made himself king. But there was so much chaos that, like I said, this low-ranking military officer who wasn't even from France, um, his father got him into military school, and that's what made him an officer. But during the French Revolution, every every military officer in the French military said like, I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of here because I don't want to be executed by whoever's in power tomorrow. Cause it was just, like I said, chaotic turmoil, everything like that. So all the top brass like basically left. So this young general Napoleon or this young officer Napoleon was able to just work his way up the, up the ranks extremely quickly because there was a vacuum uh, left behind of all the people leaving so he was able to get promotions quickly because they were gone. But not only this, he was able to get promotions um, from also social climbing and just by buying the next rank. And the other thing to remember, too, is the situation in the country was was so bad it was affecting everyone, including the troops. So the troops he was commanding weren't even getting pay. And the way that he was able to um, motivate these troops is by saying, I'll get you not only your back pay, but I'll anything, anything that you can carry with you that you can plunder um, in the countries that we're going to be attacking and uh, uh, conquering, you can have. So that was his back pay, pay plus any bonus. So like I'm, I'm, like I said, there was so much chaos at during the time of Napoleon, during that time in France that Basically, a nobody who was like, you know, I'm going to make the best of this situation was able to climb his way from being a nobody to the king of France in a very short amount of time. And obviously, that's a very, very extreme um, example. But like, look at let's look at some other people during that time. And one class of people that were benefiting big time from this was all the financiers of the wars that Napoleon was raging so France was already broke, but Napoleon decided, well, I'll go into these other countries and just plunder and, and fight wars and everything like that. Well, he was blowing th through money so quickly that not only were uh, the plunder not covering it, they had to actually raise um, taxes on the French citizens and everyone that they made French citizens through, um, through conquering. And nobody could have... Um, Nobody could afford these taxes. So what happened is like third party financiers cropped up and said, like, we'll give you a loan to pay you like your war taxes. And you just have to like pay it back within like five or 10 years. So these were some other people on a lower scale. They were able to take advantage of the chaos uh, in that country at that time. Um, so that's like kind of an interesting thing to look at. I know um, I kind of went a little bit too, probably a little bit too deep on there, but I just like love Napoleon because there's just so many fascinating things about him and so many things that he did were just completely genius. Um, so like, let's look at some things now that maybe is more applicable to like our situation or like what we want to do. So like maybe we want to start a business or maybe we're looking to expand a business or buy a business and build it up. And one of the, and like, I always like to look at an, like an, not an untapped market, but a, a market that isn't refined. And in this market is obviously really chaotic. Well, I guess it's not really a market, but 
I just always look look towards the internet. And I know the internet's been around for about 25 years now in, in a big way. Like as far as like everyone using it, I would say like 1995 or 1996 is when people really like normal people like my parents, like got a computer, got a modem, got online, everything like that. And I, I would argue that um, the internet is really a channel that's still like pretty chaotic. The internet's still really disruptive to normal businesses um, every day in a huge way, right? So Amazon obviously continuing its dominance, but think about like when Apple Music came out. You know, everyone was like uh, burning music on Napster and LimeWire and stuff like that. And then like overnight that like shut down, Apple Music showed up. Everyone was using Apple Music because of the iPod. It was just totally crazy. And, you know, like another new thing spawning from the internet is cryptocurrency. That's obviously disruptive, causing some chaos in the um, financial markets to some extent, not really as much as it was two years ago. But I would argue that the internet is a really chaotic place and that um, businesses and companies are rising and falling really quickly on the internet. And whenever I look at like a business idea, I guess, is I always like try to look at like a market or like, I guess the internet isn't really a market. It's more of like a channel to reach other markets uh, or to penetrate a market. So I always look for something that's like, not like super well, I always look for markets that are, are fragmented or not super, like super efficient. And what I mean about like an efficient market is <clears throat> if you, if, Probably the most efficient market is like the Dow Jones or like is the um, is the stock market because it's like you can see within like pennies or like fractions of pennies how much a stock is like buying or trading for. And that's really like all you're like, say you have like Pepsi stock and it's it's worth like it's trading or like selling for like forty dollars and like ten cents. Well, you're going to only really be able to sell it for like pretty close to $40.10. You're not going to be able to get $50 out of it or $60 or anything like that. It's going to be really close. So like the difference, like it's called like the buy, uh, I think called the buy sell um, is plus or minus within like a couple cents or like a couple, a fraction of some cents. So, and there's always like pretty much always going to be like a buyer and always going to be a seller on the stock market. So it's a highly refined, highly efficient marketplace. So it's really hard for somebody like me or somebody like you, like a small time person to like go in there and really like really be able to take advantage of that market because it's so like locked down. It's so refined and efficient that you just really can't. But there's other places in other markets, maybe they're new, maybe they're underserved or undervalued that are not as efficient. And because the market isn't that efficient, we're able to either like make a cut as a broker or able to like buy and then resell something for more or able to produce where we can have a high enough markup to make money. So one place I think is like really interesting to do this is obviously on the internet. But more specifically, it's on Facebook and it's in Facebook groups. And I think that this is a really easy idea and it can be really powerful. And I'll give you some examples of people I know um, that are like making money this way. But I think that it's really, I think that a really great way, and there's a couple different ways to look at this idea, but let me just like lay some groundwork. 
So making money with Facebook groups is kind of what we're gonna, I'm going to be talking about. Well, not kind of. That's what I'm talking about. So making money with Facebook groups. And on Facebook, groups are really like being pushed more than I've ever seen Facebook uh, push anything, right? So they're pushing them on Facebook. And, but they're also like running TV ads. And I've never really seen any like Facebook ads on TV before. And they're really pushing them hard. Um, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. And I think that there's obviously like a lot of reasons for this, right? So if they know you have like X amount of interest or you have like a deep interest in something, then they're going to be able to like sell advertisements more effectively um, to you if you're in like these different kinds of groups. So I think that's one reason they're being pushed so hard. But, you know, this is a good place to go like with the current. So like they're forcing or like trying to get people to join all these groups. And that's where I think we can make money at. So there's a lot of positives to groups outside of Facebook just pushing them. They're easy to build and they're easy to promote, not only um, with cheap ads you can run or word of mouth or just your own friends, but you can also like cross promote them in other groups. I see that going on all the time. And I'm in like tons of groups on Facebook. That's one of the ways that I promote the show because it's free and it's simple. I mean, I can I can post my podcast or like my YouTube version of the podcast in like, you know, 50 or 60 groups a day. And that's like giving me exposure to um, almost a million people um, have the potential to see it. Not every one of those people is obviously going to see my post, but they have the potential to see it. And it's all, you know, it takes a little bit more legwork, but it's a lot cheaper to do than like paying for ads. So here's my idea. And the idea is a buy, sell and trade group for leads. So this specific idea I is for a construction business like I have. So I have like a home remodeling business. We were like do kitchens, bathrooms, basement finishes, stuff like that. So I'm going to be tailoring it specifically and like talking about it specifically for like a construction business or construction businesses, but it could also be adapted for like a landscape business. Um, you could also use it for like beauty businesses, things like that. And I'm just going to explain it through like two different models. And basically what I'm talking about with a buy, sell and trade leads is, um, so, um, I do like, um, kitchen remodeling, but sometimes like if uh, we're in someone's house and they're asking and I'm giving them a bid for like a kitchen remodel, they might be like, well, you know, I also like want my deck torn off and like replaced, or I, I want like a, a retaining wall, like torn down or replaced. Um, I don't do that. And I don't really like have any like subcontractors that build retaining walls. Um, so if I, I don't have anyone, if I don't do it and I don't have anyone that I can like sub it out to, then that like basically that's like a waste of a lead. But um, if I was part of this Facebook group, what I could do is say like, no, um, I don't do that, but I do have some people that um, I can like pass your information on to and they can like give you a call and come out and give you a bid. And then what I would do is just take that lady's information go into this group and say, Hey, like I have a lead for like a retaining wall. I think it's probably the, the, the job would be between like five and $7,000 and like give them like the specifics of the retaining wall. Like I would measure it. How tall is it? How long is it? Take some pictures, put it on there. And then like, I would basically like sell that lead to um, some other people on Facebook that were in that kind of business. So 
like a $6,000 lead. Um, let's say you'd sell it for like 20 bucks and you'd sell it to like three different guys. That way the lady had three different like opportunities for like different prices for her. So that's kind of like the idea in a nutshell, but like, I just want to go like a little bit deeper with you. Um, as that's kind of how it would work for someone that's like the, um, that's using it to sell buy sell or trade leads. But let me talk about the two different models that I think could work. And this is from like an owner of the group perspective. So you don't have to like own a construction business or a landscape business or a beauty business to be able to like to do this business idea. You just have to be like fairly familiar with like the lingo, um, the terms and everything like that of whatever like business you're going to be setting up a group for. And then the other good thing about this is like, you don't have to be in that physical location. So um, I live in Omaha, which is about a million people within like a 50 mile radius. But let's say I lived in like, um, um, like Valentine, Nebraska, which is like really small. I think it's like a couple thousand people. I wouldn't set up my buy, sell and trade lead group in Valentine, Nebraska, I would set it up in like a big metro, like Dallas, Fort Worth, or somewhere where you're going to be able to like recruit enough people into your group to like make any money. Because if you're like just in Valentine, it's only gonna, it might only be like ten people, you know, ten contractors you can recruit, and then obviously um, those ten contractors are already going to know each other and everything. So the group really needs to be centered geographically in like a large metropolitan area for it to really work. So. We're going to break down two different models for this idea. And the first one, I'm just going to go through them and then kind of give you like a pro and con for like each one. I think either one of them could work. Um, it kind of would be like up to you, like how you want to do it. So the first one, the group would have a monthly membership fee and you would charge your members um, a small monthly fee. Like I would say like between five and ten dollars but I would stick closer to five than 10, especially at the beginning. And you can always increase the fees um, on new members as the, as the uh, group gets larger. So let's say like you charge $5 um, a month for members. And then once you get over like a thousand members, you like creep it up from $5 to seven. Obviously the first thousand people that came in would be grandfathered in at the rate that you originally charged them. So like the first thousand people would still be paying you five bucks a year. Um, and I would, the way I would do that is you can't like actually charge them through Facebook, but what I would do is I would make them sign up through like Kajabi, uh, which is a third party website that you can like have, uh, monthly memberships, um, through and that's how I would, I, I would do it. I think that's like the easiest way, um, to collect fees for a group. Then once they were in the group, you would just have to train new members on how to post leads for sale, um, or how to swap leads, uh, or how to sell leads. And you would act as uh, the admin. So you would just basically be like the cop, um, the administrator, making sure like um, all the posts were like correct, make sure there was no one in there that was like spamming, make sure that um, everyone is like playing nice. So you would be basically collecting the 5 to $10 per month per member um, to do that. And look, and like $5 doesn't sound like a lot, but if you have a thousand people in there, that's $5,000 a month just to like keep an eye on a group and make sure that everything is running smoothly. That one is like, um, 
really good because it's really straightforward. You're not like really getting in the middle of any like dealings going on in your group. The only problem with that model is it's going to be hard to get people to sign up for it like off the bat. So if I was going to do that model, what I would do is I would start a separate group. I know this is kind of a pain in the ass, but if you were making 10 or 15 grand a month, it's worth it. What I would do is like start up a, a group um, that's like for contractors and it's just like buy, sell or trade contractor like material. So like uh, extra building material. I know like I always have like a warehouse full of like extra trim and stuff like that. Um, so like this web uh, on this site, um, it could be for like um, buy, sell, trade, like extra material, like tools, uh, trailers. Um, I know some contractors like they have like a backhoe that they might like rent out. So I would do it like that. And then once I like had that build up, then I would like advertise in my own group. Hey, I also have this like paid group that you guys that you can join if you're interested in um, where I let members. Um, I help members like buy, sell and trade like different leads and like broker leads and stuff like that. So like you'd almost have to like start two groups, um, one that would be free and then peel people out of the free group into your membership group. So take a, like a little bit of legwork, but I think that's a good way to do it because you're not going to be able to just start signing up people into like a paid group right off the bat. Um, because no one's going to be able to be like, yeah, I'll pay like five bucks to be the only person in the group. Right? So that's the first way is the monthly membership. The second way is a, uh, is the group, the members join for free and all of the posts that anyone puts in there are approved by you. And because of that, you would charge uh, members to post um, stuff for sale, to post leads for sale. Um, you charge them small amounts, like a percentage of the job uh, or gig um, or like whatever they're charging. So let's say you like charge like three, three to 5%. So if they're, um, charging like 20 bucks, that would be whatever. Hold on, let me get a calculator. Whoops, right in the middle of the screen. Fucking genius. So um, 5% of like $20 is like $1. So might, I might do like a little bit higher than that. I might do like 10%. So um, you would obviously like get a lot more people it would be a lot easier to grow that group because it's free and it's a place for like people to go like sell something that norm otherwise like they wouldn't really have like value for because like if I'm a plumber, I'm like, I don't like know anything about electrical work or like I might not like work with electrician or I might not like have an electric electrician that I sub all the time. So like if somebody asked me and I didn't have a sub for it and I can't do it, like that's worthless to me, but this group is like basically giving me a marketplace to, um, to make money off of like, uh, things that I'm going to be like stumbling across, like at work. Um, so this is kind of like really, it is a marketplace and it's like creating a marketplace that's not like already there. So I think that that's good. Um, obviously. So the pros of this way is it's easier to grow. Um, you could also start it as a contractor by selling trade um, and then implement charging for leads later. So like kind of similar to the first one, um, but you would let people buy uh, by selling trade anything but leads. And then once like they started doing, once you started saying like you could like sell leads, just take a cut of it. 
Um, also, you could charge other businesses to advertise in your group. Um, so like, obviously like uh, insurance agents, car dealers, anyone who like rents tools, anyone who like sells equipment, anyone who like owns a lumber yard or hardware store, um, you could charge those people if they like ever, if they wanted to um, advertise specifically to your members. And remember like any kind of like uh, Facebook group that you set up, I highly recommend, well, I think it's basically mandatory. They have to like put an email address in to join the group. That way, um, if something ever happened on Facebook or your group disappeared or got taken down or whatever, or somebody like hit you with a bunch of spam, you would still have all your members and you could take it off Facebook or create another group. But also like with those emails, like you could sell those emails um, to like other marketers. And obviously you would disclose that when they signed up for the group. So there's some different um, avenues that you can make money on through the group as well. The cons of the, um, the free group is that members could cut you out of deals. So if I'm in this group and they're like, yeah, you can like post a lead for sale, but I want like a certain percentage of it. If you're going to post it in my group, you might just say, well, like, fuck it. I can see the other people in the group that are in the trade um, that I have a lead for. I'll just go like directly to them. You're going to get cut out of the deal. So keep that in mind. So um, there's obviously pros and cons to like both models of these two. I think that ultimately I would kind of um, start it off as one, uh, like I said, as a free one, and then like peel people off into like a paid group if they want to um, take part in the buy, sell, and trade trading of leads. And you might th think that like, well, like why would anyone like sign up for that? Like that seems like a lot of work to only get like a small amount of money. But I know a guy who's like really big in the multi-level marketing space and he has a membership, a secret, well, it's not secret, but it's a paid membership group that's on Facebook where he like does coaching and like shares different ideas for, for multi-level marketing. And he has 6,000 members that pay him $55 a month to be part of this group. That's an insane amount of money. That works out to three, uh, $3,960,000. $960,000 per year, $3.9 million per year to basically like have a Facebook group. He goes live in it like a couple times a week. Um, he has like other people that work for him that are like moderators that like put out questions. Um, they'll like start discussions and things like that. That's like a hell of a lot of money and it's incredibly profitable, right? Because you're not really like producing anything. You're just using, uh, you're just using the channel of Facebook to um, connect with people and then like paying, um, getting paid for like your information or like your guidance. So I think that Facebook groups are like a really, really powerful thing right now. Um, and kind of going back to like chaos, I mean, everything on the internet and like Facebook is like really chaotic. There's so many different groups, but if you could like figure out how to make groups work for you, you can make just a... a insane amount of money and it's and groups are just now really getting monetized you know like the groups have been around for like four or five years but it's just really now that people are starting to monetize them so that's something to definitely look into um if you guys want more information about that um you guys can reach out to me on facebook shoot me an email uh that information will be in the show notes and moving along 
to the deal of the week. And this one's pretty good. Um, it's an event rental business with a million dollars in inventory included in the sales price. It's in Hollywood, California. They're asking $2.2 million. Cash flows $500,000 a year. So you pay someone $2.2 million, get paid $500,000 a year as long as you don't fuck anything up. And it's been, it's been uh, started in 1995. The reason for the person getting rid of it is they're retiring, which is good. Um, that's a positive. It's in California, which is a negative. You're going to be paying lots of taxes. But, you know, Hollywood, Los Angeles, lots of people, uh, probably lots of events going on. So this event rental business provides equipment for indoor and outdoor events. Typical items offered include tents, canopies, covers, umbrellas, tables, chairs, heating and air units, uh, misters, fans, dumpsters, trash bins, changing rooms. And uh, in the asking price is included a million dollars in equipments and assets that are already of, that are uh, in the inventory available for rental. Like I said, it's located in Hollywood, California. They have 10 employees. Business operates out of a 3,200 square foot office warehouse <clears throat> that may be uh, relocated anywhere uh, within greater Los Angeles. The sale also includes uh, steak bed delivery vehicles, two forklifts, and a plethora of, of other specialty equipment specifically created for the industry. The competition in the industry... Uh, this firm is well-established, caters to specific clients. However, its equipment may be utilized for any type of event. They say that the growth and expansion opportunities, new owners may wish to expand this business into more general categories of event rental as its equipment and business model may be applied to any type of indoor-outdoor event. Sellers are willing to carry a small, uh, small amount back and they're also willing to train as necessary. Like I said, the reason they're getting rid of it is they are retiring, which is the best reason. One of the best reasons, anyway. Um, and if you would like inform additional information about this business, you can contact the broker, Ryan Clark, with the Veld Group. He can be reached at 310-652-8353. If you'd like more information, you didn't catch his name or number, you can always hit me up. My information is in the show notes. Reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or email. So it's a pretty good um, business for sale. Um, I like any kind of rental business. I think that rental businesses are really good. They don't usually have tons and tons of um, competition, especially something like this, because like a Hertz rental or a, a big national company, they don't offer rentals of things like tents, canopies, umbrellas, th uh, tables, things for like events like that. So you're going to have some local competition, but not, not a huge amount. You're not going to have somebody, these kind of businesses um, are hard to like start just on your own because you need a lot of money. You need a lot of equipment and a place to store it and able to like, in order to, um, to really have it up and going. So they're really hard to just start, um, you know, with one or two tents. Um, so I think this is good. The other thing is like, if you have a, a, a tent, uh, or tables and chairs, obviously like you buy those, they're not super expensive, but like you can rent that stuff out forever, like a table that'll last for like 20 years. So I think that's a great um, business. I think that any kind of rental business is something that's worth looking into. Um, 
So my three critiques of the episode. So some of these are good. Some of these are shit. The first one is, this is another mind blower. The first one is, I, um, I have a friend, him and some investors have an opportunity to buy a couple um, McDonald's locations. Uh, Abso-fucking-lutely. You can't go wrong with McDonald's unless you're a complete moron. McDonald's is obviously a household name. McDonald's is like the ultimate... If you want to learn a lot about business, read the story or like... I haven't seen the movie, so I can't like really speak on how accurate the movie is. But like read the story of McDonald's. McDonald's is a business where like it, it's a little factory that runs itself that everyone who works there has such specific tasks. It takes all of the decision making out of the hands of the employees. And that is what you want. You don't want anyone making decisions. You just want them doing their job. And McDonald's is specifically they specifically designed McDonald's so that teenagers could run them and teenagers should run them and teenagers run the best McDonald's. So here in Omaha, I used to live like downtown. There's a McDonald's downtown that is supposedly Warren Buffett goes to all the time. Bull fucking shit. Anyway, there's a McDonald's that's uh, downtown. It was pr fairly close to my house, kind of like on the main drag. And every once in a while, my wife, me and my wife would get suckered and we'd like be like, well, let's just go to McDonald's and get this, whatever. So you go to McDonald's, there isn't one fucking teenager working at this McDonald's. It's all adults. You put your order in and 25 minutes later, you get up to the window and it's usually completely different of what you ordered. So like if you order like a Whopper, is it a Whopper or Big Mac? Big Mac, I guess, at McDonald's. You order a Big Mac and you get up and they, what you have in your bag is the filet of fish and it's just a fucking nightmare. So um, if you own a McDonald's, hire teenagers. Don't hire adults who need the freaking $12 an hour paycheck to make ends meet. Anyway, that's, that's off topic a little bit, but McDonald's is a great business. It's been around forever. Everybody knows it. You know what you're getting into. There's no surprises. They do so much advertising. Everyone knows McDonald's. Yeah, that's a, like a total winner. You just have to make sure that they're running correctly and you're like good to go. Like I would say like pretty minimal risk wherever the McDonald's is at. So without seeing the specifics of like the financials of each one, I would say yes. McDonald's, just that's fine. Anything, I mean, McDonald's, Taco Bell, I think would be fine. But McDonald's, that's like the golden standard, right? Golden arches. Second one is videographer. One of my friends wants to like, like do like weddings or something like vid be a videographer. No, that's stupid. Videographers don't make any money. I looked it up, Googled it. Um, a wedding for a videographer generally costs like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars for a wedding. I don't think that's really true because I, I think we looked. I think I know somebody who got like a videographer at their wedding, which I don't understand why you would, and it was like three thousand dollars. But that may seem like a lot. If, if you're buying the service, $3,000 seems like a ton of money. But like, let's say you're the videographer. So you go, a wedding is, if you're doing the video, is all day. So you have eight hours of filming, maybe more, maybe more like 10 hours of filming. That's the easy part. Then you got to fucking edit it into something that anyone's ever going to watch. So for $3,000, you might have like 25 or 30 hours of work in it. So what is that? 
and you can only do one at a time, right? You can't do, let's say like uh, you have 20 hours in this thing. Let's see what's up. What the fuck? 20, Jesus. So that's 150 bucks an hour. You can only do one at a time. You can only do two a weekend, right? Because people only really get married on Friday and Saturday nights. So that's if so that's six thousand dollars a week. Um, I still don't like it because you can shoot video on your phone. I don't think that I think that the um, the value of someone taking video for you um, is like in the toilet because you can you can buy video cameras that are like professional for not that much money. Like okay, like let's say I wanted to like videotape. Um, like shit at my flip and like make a little like TV show about me flipping houses. I could go like pay some kid to videotape it. I could go get like a, basically like a professional camera for $3,000 and then I could like outsource it, like getting edited. There's no reason for me to like go um, get like a professional videographer. I actually like looked into it to like make some commercials that I was going to like put on YouTube for like my real estate business and the more I thought about it, I was like, this is like idiotic because they wanted like $300 an hour, which I was like, absolutely not. I'll shoot it on my phone um, or I'll go buy a camera. I mean, you can get an HD camera. They're not that expensive. So I think that the value of, of being a videographer right now is like low and it's just getting lower and lower. So I wouldn't get involved in that. No, it's dumb. Move on. So the last one is car detailing, and I actually like this. So um, I like car washes, obviously. I like car detailing because it's like, even if you like keep your car like pretty clean on your own, which I don't, but a lot of people do, like every once in a while, it's like you need like the inside of the vents clean out. You want the doors like cleaned out. You want like a deep like uh, like shampooing or whatever of, of the seats and stuff. It's not something you're going to like do at home. And so I think a car deal, I think car deal detailing is like pretty good. If you have like a, um, a pretty like reputable car detailing stuff, a lot of times um, like car lots or like car dealerships will actually like hire out uh, like independent detail shops if they don't have them. So I think that that's good. I think it's like even better if you go to the client. Like if you have a mobile car detailing, I think that you can make like pretty good money at that. Um, I heard of, of a guy that had like uh, a business doing like mobile car detailing. He had like a couple, I guess, like crews running around detailing cars. I think he was like netting around like $600,000 a year. So the money is obviously there. And I think that, um, I think the market is there too. Because like if I can sit in my office or, or do something that I want and then someone else can like clean and vacuum my car out, and I, you know, it's only like a hundred or like $200. Like that's totally worth it for me. So I think if you, if you were mobile, I think that's even better than like a brick and mortar, obviously. So that's a wrap on the ideas of the day, the critiques of the day. If you guys have a business idea you want critiqued, if you are looking for some ideas to fit your personality, to fit your lifestyle, hit your boy up. You can contact me on the Facebooks. You can contact me on the Instagrams. You can contact me on the emails. You can contact me on the YouTubes. Um, I'll put all that information in the show notes. You can hit me up. I'm going to start, um, I think, publish, publishing. 
I think I'm going to start um, recording uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights. So there'll be a new episode every Wednesday and Friday if I can keep on track. I know this week I'm going to keep on track because I'm going to put two in the can right now. And then you guys will have a great week of sheer entertainment and knowledge right at your fingertips. So keep listening. Keep sharing the show. It's going really well, a lot better than I thought. And next time I'll try to bring more funnies. This one wasn't very funny, but that's okay. It gives you guys something to listen, look forward to. So anyway, till next time, preach.